0: This is The Stark Truth, hosted by Robert Stark. Brought to you by StarkTruthRadio.com Robert Stark is an American journalist and political commentator. You can listen to his podcast at www.StarkTruthRadio.com joined here with uh, Hunter Wallace of Occidental Descent. Uh, we're going to be discussing the Biden administration and the post-Trump uh, right. Uh, Hunter Wallace, it's great having you back on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, man.
0: So the last time we talked, uh, it was about uh, the election results, mm-hmm. analyzing that in depth. And uh, yeah, I'd recommend checking that out for the audience who haven't listened to that. We kind of go into detail about the demographic, like statistics on the on the election results and why Trump lost. So just kind of revisiting the election outcome. yeah, I mean a lot so a lot of that with uh, what Trump was saying like about the voter fraud. I think most of that was uh, nonsense. but what is yeah, interesting yeah, no. is like with uh, with like with that Time magazine article uh, where where the right was saying that it was openly admitting to stealing the election. but that's not really wasn't like ex- voter fraud no, no. and what Trump was saying, but basically, it was right. saying that model of uh, liberal mass democracy relies upon like these strong centralized institutions. So that's a bit of a separate issue. But overall, you came to the conclusion that Trump lost out on the on the populist, especially moderate uh, populist swing voters. And uh, kind of looking over uh, why Trump lost, like there are problems. Uh, there pro- are problems out of his control. Like there was issues of obstructionism from the Democrats. And true, con Geo, GOP who were kind of uh, w- with Paul Ryan and and uh, Mitch McConnell, but overall, uh, Trump had a lot of his own shortcomings and on his overall message and the advisors he chosen.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. That's um, that's what happened. I mean, he lost the election. I mean, I determined and I looked at it. It seemed to me that he was he lost two two distinct groups of white voters. One being the more a lot of the more working class. Moderate white independents who are, you know, socially conservative, populist on economics, who we are upset with them for a variety of reasons, and then he also lost a lot of these highly educated, um, cosmopolitan, white suburbanites who live in these, you know, really wealthy suburbs, and they're moderate in an opposite way in that they're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. They're true cons. So. Yeah, he lost he lost two different my my overall take of it was you know he had lost, it seemed to me he had lost two different kinds of white voters uh, from opposite ends of his coalition and that's why he he crashed um, with the suburban the suburban the wealthy suburban not true cons the main issue was was covid and with um the other group of whites it was people were just uh, upset with the way his administration Handling issues like the riots and things like that. Um, now, what, what's happened since the election is that you know I got really this was November and December I got really into analyzing the election results, and so naturally um, as that's as the election spilled over into stop the steal, and then stop the steal spilled over into the Biden era. The question became. Um, okay, well, Trump is lost, and all these people believe, you know, the election was just ripped away and stolen from them. Now, as for, as for that Time Magazine article that you brought up, um, no, I mean, the idea that they literally went in and, you know, Dominion changed the votes on the voting machines, that's nonsense. They're talking about now, like they're the w-
0: power of institutions like the media and academia.
1: Right, right. I mean, I mean well, I mean, okay, obviously, okay, it was – the election was rigged in the sense that social media and big tech was stacked against Trump and his supporters. I mean, there's exactly, no doubt. yeah. And if, they, if, if there was any doubt about it, they eliminated it when they banned Trump himself <laughs> from from all of social media after the capital siege. And um, there was other things they did like in all these different states, they changed the voting laws and there was you know, mail-in ballots – and uh, made that easier, and then all these big donors, if I remember correctly, poured all these all this money somehow through some kind of COVID program into all these local organizations. That was was very. This is what the Time magazine article was boasting, and also, and, and let's not forget, um, the Time magazine article also detailed how all the violent street riots were being coordinated by this cabal, right? So, there, 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 I mean, the, the article literally said like. The, the, this All these riots that went on for a month Wasn't a spontaneous thing But it was being coordinated And in fact right before the election They put a halt to it The, the order came down from this cabal To put a halt to it So so I mean tr- Trump can say There was like a conspiracy there, there really was a conspiracy against him But the conspiracy wasn't that You know Dominion voting machines Literally changed ballots That didn't happen But the deck was stacked against them I mean th- that was true and, and and that's what you know. All these all these states are trying to pass these election integrity laws now, like Georgia, to in order to you know get a handle on that because they were asleep at the wheel when it mattered, which was before the election. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the you have to deal with that before the you can't just let the Democrats uh, change all the election laws and have favorable court decisions and not you know contest that before the election. But now they're trying to catch up with it. Um afterwards but yeah the like my focus has really shifted from you know how trump lost the election which i answered to my own satisfaction and which was you know come out and there's been plenty of proof that that was the case since then that it was white voters without question that did him in it was you know the wealthy white suburbanite true cons who turned on them so yeah that's interesting
0: to to emphasize he lost both he lost the moderate populist uh, swing voters who tend to be Economically downscale, but then he also simultaneously right. lost out on the well-off uh, suburbanites.
1: I mean, that was the issue. It was the white boat that slipped on him.
0: But yes. he did better with uh, non-whites.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, like I think we mentioned in the last podcast, there was there was like two backlashes going on. There was the white backlash, which which was against Trump for um like two the two white backlashes, the suburbanites, true who wanted to get rid of him because of COVID, mainly. And then there was, you know, his the Wignat types, or the, the more populous people who were disappointed with his administration. That was the white backlash against Trump. But then amongst um, Hispanics and Asians in particular, but especially Hispanic conservatives, not just Hispanics, but Hispanic conservatives.
0: Oh, yeah, because uh, a, I a think huge, you, uh, a you huge probably shift saw that on, on UNS. It showed that, like... Uh... Among Democratic voters, uh, the largest numbers of Democratic voters who oppose BLM are Hispanic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And that's, that's been, I mean, there's been more and more research has come out. And, I mean, we said at the time, this was a, this was a big thing. And it was a definite, a definite the Hispanic conservatives um, voted for Trump. And it was a, a huge shift, especially, it wasn't just Miami-Dade. It wasn't just the Texas border counties. It was all across the country because they were pissed off about um, a number of things, whether it was mainly, you know, BLM and Antifa, which they disliked. They disliked the, you know, the intensification of political correctness, all this chaos. And in some places there was also attacks on the oil and gas industry. And, um, you know, Democrats, you know, Wanted to abolish ICE and and a lot of Hispanics, you know, don't especially the conservative ones don't support that, and, and that didn't really register until they, they turned they turned against uh, Joe Biden. But like I said, the interesting thing that we've been following is is moving on is what's is is what the effect of I mean, we knew that, that we knew that Trump losing the election and the riots was going to have some kind of huge impact. So that's what I've been interested. That's what I've been focused on for the last three months is. Analyzing all these polls and trying to size up what's changed and you know how the landscape is shifted is a lot of interesting results.
0: You've uh, posted a lot about this talk of like a realignment on class and party, and there's countless articles on the new uh, populist GOP versus Democrats as the party of the managerial class. And the author of What's the Matter with Kansas? Uh, he predicted this realignment about a decade ago, and now uh, Democrats clearly are in alliance with big capital, and that's the villain, so that's sort of an easy target uh, for GO- for GOP policies involving uh, Trump. Yeah, Trump did, uh, he didn't really do that much to actually challenge the oligarchy, so like the degree right. there's an alignment in class and voting, and then there are like the examples of uh, what's going on in Georgia right now, like the new GOP. The GOP voter law and the baseball league and all these companies like Delta, Coca-Cola boycotting Georgia and some mm-hmm. calls for uh, populist policies uh, like an antitrust and corporate taxes and uh, some politicians, it may have been, even mm-hmm. I think it may have been Rubio expressed some sympathy for Amazon unionization <laughs> and then Trump calling for boycotts of woke corporations, like overall Uh, how much is there in a realignment and how much of this is, like, do you think the GOP is actually uh, serious or do you think this is just kind of an empty rhetoric because that's been, I mean, that was the case in the past, but things are changing so much recently that it's hard to say if it's just purely symbolic or we will see real change in this.
1: Yeah, um, well, the thing thing is is that the GOP is, um, of course, was, you know, I mean, if you remember when Trump first came along 2015, 2016, they screamed, Screamed bloody murder! You know he was going to destroy and 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 ruin the party, and was the worst thing that ever happened. And there was, you know, the whole never Trump, um, GOP establishment crowd. You know, attacked him throughout his whole presidency and never warmed to him. And in fact, like those are the people who, in twenty twenty, those are the people who voted for Joe Biden in all these wealthy suburbs. So that's why you see all these places which are traditional Republican bastions like Oakland County in Michigan or, you know, the wealthier parts of Atlanta, uh, Atlanta suburbs went for, went for Biden because the true cons, you know, in spite of everything, you know, voted against them, voted for um, Joe Biden. Now, the GOP didn't, no, here, here's the thing. The GOP didn't want any of this to happen, but what's happened is, is that um, as they've made these strident culture war appeals to working-class voters, the strategy has worked in that, like, as people are pissed off about issues like immigration, as they're pissed off about issues like political correctness or guns or what have you, as more working class voters who are Democrats or independents comes into the GOP um, through the culture war strategy, that's kind of like changing the internal balance of power. So, like, half of Republican voters now are all these new people who really weren't Republicans before 2016, and the disaffected wing of the party is the party that is the part the swath of it that used to be the Republican establishment. Um if Trump has like a hundred percent approval rating across all different parts of the Republican Party except those people. And those people like, you know, are clearly like cycling out. They're going over
0: So you're talking two, about the old guard establishment, the never Trumpers, right, yeah. and then the people, the disaffected, the moderate uh, yeah. Populists; those those are more like swing voters, and uh, those pe- yeah. they're outside the GOP. But he does basically among just rank and file Republicans has almost hundred I mean, percent approval.
1: I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Well, what's happened here is that the people who used to be Republicans, a lot of them aren't Republicans anymore and have become Democrats, and people who used to be Democrats and independents have become Republicans. And then this this been this huge transformation in like who the voters are since around the 2012 election or even going back to 2006 2008 is when it really when it really began you see, you see this sub- wealthy suburban exodus towards the Democrats and this working-class exodus from the Democrats towards the Republicans now like like I said like what's happening? this is this is this is true of both parties it's not just true of the Republican Party Democrat voters now are all these wealthy cosmopolitan, upper-middle-class suburbanites. I mean, that wing of the Democratic Party um, has grown tremendously. And that's changed the eternal balance of power within the Democratic Party. Correspondingly, um, the the wealthy suburban types have shrunk within the Republican Party and it's become more working class.
0: How significant is the situation in Georgia with uh, the boycotts from Woe Capital and uh, a real test of like how the GOP responds if they actually yeah. do implement, like, if they call to implement any serious uh, policies to challenge that, or it will just be like a continuation
1: of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, I mean, this is this is what I'm kind of laughing, like, um, laugh at, laughing at the situation because number one, like, they're fully. Aw- number one, you know that they're fully aware of it. That, like, their voters are completely different people and don't believe half. Half the voters now are different people, don't believe the same thing as. The voters ten just ten years ago believe they don't they, they absolutely do not want to change. Um, here's my rooster. Oh yeah, they yeah. They, yeah. they don't. They don't want. They don't. They don't want to change their economic policy agenda. And here's and here's the thing about that. Right, this realignment or, or we're talking about isn't complete yet. In that, if you look at the Republican Party and who the Republican voters are, um, it's it's relatively united on socialism issues, right? If you ask just about culture war social issues, right? 85% of Republican voters would agree on, on on most of the cultural issues. That's why they're leaning leaning so heavily into the culture war issues. But when it comes to the economic issues, the party is still it's not it's not as advanced yet. In that like 60% of Republican voters are more of the um lean more free market or conservative.
0: So the thing and is, like, not... I think there is a lot of, like, with uh, the kind of, like, wig nats and the black pills on Trump is, uh, like, I heard your talk with Richard Spencer. You're more optimistic than he is, but I'd say, it, yeah. I think it will happen, but it's a long-term process that could take right. at least a decade. It's not, like, we could still see a lot of, like, in the short term, uh, mm-hmm. we'll probably see a lot of true con stuff Like, mostly, like, fiscal conservatism, challenging, like, Biden's policy from a more, from a more that kind of perspective of just, just, like, tax cuts. But we're headed, we're headed in that direction of the GOP. It's just going to be a long-term process.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, my take on it is that if you look at the social issue, I mean, you can see this. Like, the number one issue of Republican voters is immigration. That's the top concern now, is immigration. Um, Hatred of the media. Um trade and if, if you look at like the top foreign policy priority of republican voters is projecting protecting the jobs of american workers that's the, that's the most important thing now um to republican voters which is a huge change that's that's and that's good and that's good news um so on, on these the thing is is that the the cultural this is not done yet so my my, my take on it is that if we're going, if we look back on this from say the perspective of 2030 or so, that you'll see that um, 2016, 2012, 2016 was around the beginning of the process, and around the year 2024 is is when I expect like this realignment will have become finished yet. Uh, so like. First, the, the reason that Republicans aren't coming out and fully embracing like you know we're fully embracing economic populism now, is that only forty percent of the voters, if you if you ask like Republican voters, Are you in favor of universal health care? Do you want to tax billionaires? Do you want to raise taxes just across the board? All these economic issues, you'll see around the same similar number, thirty five percent, forty percent. So like you have so like how would I put this? Um. You have about thirty-five to forty percent of the of the party, which is populist on both economics and social issues. Um, about when it comes to just social issues, it's about seventy percent, and when it comes to about a, a party that's a um, Trucon, on both social issues and economics, it's fifteen percent. So that so this isn't done. So this is uh, un, probably not done yet. So the Republicans are very hesitant to talk about economics right now because <laughs>
0: yeah there is Rob like is a big crazy, kind you know, of uh, like difficult. a general there's a big kind of a generational divide between right, older republicans exactly. and younger but the kind of policies that's it. Uh, yeah it seems like the kind of policies that younger republicans support is the mm-hmm. culture war but more focused on opposing cancel culture rather than traditional uh, social culture war issues like abortion and gay marriage like the focus now is opposing council culture, then on economics they're a bit more, they're not, they're obviously not like with Bernie, but they're a bit more, they're more centrist than older Republicans, the younger voters.
1: Yeah, right, That that is also, you're absolutely right, that is the major division. Um, if you look at the Republican Party, and I posted a chart of it, it was from an internal poll, um, about 15% of them would be like, you know, the, the moderate, suburban moderate, true con, George W. Bush types. 35%, would be like what would you what you would call the old Republican base, which would be like, you know, Ted Cruz voters. Oh yeah. Which are which are socially conservative, religious right types, but they're, you know, free market. So the like true Reagan. con,
0: that's the true con or they're they're a different group than the establishment yeah, I distinguish, but they kind of overlap. I, yeah.
1: I distinguish the GOP establishment wing, old GOP establishment wing being about fifteen percent, the old Republican base being about thirty five percent. And the Trump wing being about fifty percent with 40% of the party being about populist on economics, that's my understanding of it right now. So like, the Republicans are extremely divided in an interesting place on, on economics. Uh, they can't. They, they, the, the problem with problem is that like their old economic message has lost uh, its potency, but the new economic message hasn't yet. Like you know, become demographically dominant in the Republican Party. So, my, my, and, and if you just look at the way things are going and what the Republicans are doing, by dialing up this culture, what their strat, the Republican strategy is to dial up this culture war issue, culture war, and attract working class uh, voters, right? But as those working class voters come into the party, it changes what the party believes on economics. And eventually it's gonna reach a tipping point. We're not there yet, but we're extremely close. Um, you can you, you can think forward about two more one or two more election cycles when republicans have used this intense culture war rhetoric to attract more working class voters and that will flip the internal balance of power on economics all right and then you'll have a populist dominant republican party on both social issues and economics it's, i know it's crazy are they going to are they going to change their policy agenda no <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna make all these culture war appeals and and dance around the issue like Marco Rubio is one example trying to do. You, you see, Mitch McConnell was out slamming woke corporate America just an hour ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so um, no, no, they're gonna no. no the policies haven't exactly caught up with. Where the voters are, but that's true of both parties. It's true of the Democrat. Well, if you think of, if all these True Cons had become Democrats,
0: last time we really went into detail into the Republican like demographics, but with the Democrats they have the same groups. I think this was like there was the Pew Research site that breaks up the Democratic Party, and then there's this group uh, like there's I think it's Labor Green with Labor being the largest, and then this group yeah. called Acela, which is a small a small group of affluent voters. Who have disproportionately influence in the Democratic Party, but uh, they're pretty—they're maybe like 10%, 15% at most of the electorate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I've seen all kinds of different breakdowns of of the Democratic Party, but the, the main one is that the, um, the the dominant wing of the Democratic Party would be Pew's the Pew Research Center, solid liberals, or and, and these people are as I've, you know, or, or the voter study study group, you know, broke it down. And what they found was that, you know, the dominant wing was the, they called them the Democrat Independent Liberal Elites. But basically who you're talking about here are white, college-educated um, people who tend to be wealthy, upper middle class, but not so much, not so much, um, affluent as is as extremely educated. Like the more post grad you go, the more extreme the um the view the views on culture. That's it's education not so much as So income. they're
0: uh they're the most woke, but on economics they're more pro business and other factions.
1: Well, um how how would I put this? They're they they're they're not these people are these people these white professional, highly educated people post-grads and stuff, they are, you know, that's the bastion of wokeness. If you look, if, if you look like, who the hell is watching CNN or MSNBC? I posted some recent articles about this. It was very funny. Uh, the people who are watching CNN and MSNBC are all these white upper middle class people who are overwhelmingly college graduates. And I, it was a huge number of them were post-graduates. That's who's, that who That's who watches the, um, And takes like CNN and MSNBC. Literally, like, in fact, in fact, it looked like that non-whites were more likely to watch. Were you know not? I mean, you would think, given the composition of the Democratic Party, that non-whites should be watching CNN and MSNBC. But actually, um, the Fox News audience is pretty evenly racially distributed, and it's the really. Educated white liberal types who are watching MSNBC and CNN. Um, but as for these as, as for these people's views on economics, um, they're extremely culturally liberal. they mo- what motivates these people, as we see time and again, is these extreme polarizing cultural issues, whether it's open borders, or trans, um, gay marriage. It used to be gay marriage. It's, it's always pushing the envelope on the cultural issues. As for economics, um, you, you, when you interview these people about economics, um, they're very well off, so they don't... Uh, but they rejected... Not it was
0: that. interesting, if you look at how they voted, uh, Warren got a lot of them, and Buttigieg did, and right. Biden-Harris probably got some, but they, they're they not the core voters for Bernie.
1: Right, right, exactly. Um, the, Bernie's support comes from the Democrat-leaning working class vote which is the, the other side of the Democratic Party. So, like, if you think of the Democratic Party, it's a coalition. It's a top upstairs-downstairs coalition. The governing wing, the dominant ruling class wing, are all these mostly highly educated, um, cosmopolitan, white liberal professionals. And the base is, like, all these poor and working class white, black, and Hispanic people. And that's, that's, that's the big divide uh, within, between the – now, the upper-class wing has no pro- – the, the upstairs wing has no problem spending money. Of all the people in American politics, um, it turns out they are the least likely to be motivated by the economy or the size of government or the budget deficit. They're completely comfortable with spending money. But when it comes to raising their taxes, they are <laughs> – I mean you're seeing this now with the infrastructure bill. In that, like a lot of these wealthy Democrats are all for spending as long as, like you know, you're getting rid of the salt uh, salt deduction cap that Trump implemented.
0: So if you look at uh, these GOP candidates being toted as like the populist right candidates, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida God. and the senators uh, Cotton and Holly, uh, mm-hmm. to what do, like what are your thoughts on their actual uh, records? Including uh, well, Desantis is a governor. But what are your thoughts on like the record of like Cotton and Holly?
1: Um, I'm not. I'm not. am not particularly impressed with any of them. They were, in my view, they were all like uh, incubated, you know, for a different era. Like Holly, for example, in Missouri, was elected as, you know, this. He was going to be the the the, the smart um, legal conservative. And, but all the people who supported Hawley kind of like originally when he ran for – when he, he became Missouri's attorney general before he became a U.S. senator have turned on him. Now, as for, now, as for Hawley, to be completely fair about um, – Hawley's had like a lot of these, these same views going back, you know, to his teenage years. He was talking about like – for example, he wrote a book on Theodore Roosevelt – long before Trump became president and had an interesting analysis of you know monopolies and so, so with holly a lot of this is like you, you'd look at it and you're like okay well is he an opportunist or is this is is this actually more of what he's always believed and I, I don't know'm the jury is still out on that um, but I think all, because the electorate has changed all the politicians have to be reprogrammed I mean, I'm sure you saw Mitt Romney came out in favor of like the child tax credit. Oh yeah,
0: same <laughs> with Rubio. Like Rubio used to be like a yeah. true con and a neocon, and now he's now he's supposedly populist.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and not just that. Look at immigration. I mean, we we might you might remember when Rubio famously cha- uh, championed the amnesty back in. 2014 oh, but yeah. since he's been reprogrammed but since he's been reprogrammed because the voters have changed and all the not just all the politicians have to adjust because the, the voters have changed right they have, to, they have to catch up with this and um, adjust so like now even Lindsey Graham is coming even, can you believe this even Lindsey Graham is saying that he's opposed to um, amnesty for dreamers now <laughs> yeah. And in the comprehensive immigrant. Yeah, that's quite a change, but I mean, the, you you understand it when you so understand it, over that the two window
0: up- like it used to be, I remember like during the Bush when yeah. Bush proposed amnesty like you had like the Chamber of Commerce Republicans right. who were for uh amnesty and uh more liberal immigration, but then you also you still had like some old school Democrats. Like I think uh like John Tester like some of them are like Jim Webb who yeah. voted against amnesty, but now like everything is like a totally polarized on immigration between party.
1: Yeah, it's it's. It, you, you mean I mean I mean if if Lindsey Graham wants to vote against uh, the Biden amnesties, I mean that's that's great that he that's great that he's been reprogrammed. Now back to the other two you mentioned, Tom Cotton and Desantis. Now Tom Cotton was if I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I mean isn't this guy like a neocon warhawk? who uh was extremely pro-israel and was Bill Crystal's protege and now Bill, Bill Crystal's a Democrat now
0: <laughs> so. uh, yeah Holly's definitely preferable to cotton but I think that uh, yeah. I remember initially it was a prediction like a pre-election show with Anatoly Carlin that like someone like Holly is too anti-establishment but cotton mm-hmm. is kind of like the compromise between the establishment and the populist wing so that's he predicts like uh, – or also like, yeah, it could be Cotton or Ron DeSantis uh, could be the favorite because he's relatively well-liked by both groups. But I'm not that – I don't know that much detail about about uh, DeSantis's policies. Uh, like he's most known yeah. for the kind of anti-lockdown stance, which is more, mm-hmm. more appeals to like kind of true cons.
1: Yeah, I mean when I was first – I remember when DeSantis first won that race in 2018 and I wrote about him on my blog. And what he was known for, I looked back in my archives, and what DeSantis was known for was removing a Confederate monument or statue from, I think, the U.S. Capitol and replacing it with, like, uh, some black activist. And also, you know, he was the guy who went over to Israel with Sheldon Adelson and convened oh, yeah, a,
0: yeah.
1: a session of the Florida cabinet in Jerusalem and, you know, banned anti-Semitism <laughs> in, 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 in Florida. But I mean, that's what he was known for before COVID, uh, and then you know he became the anti-lockdown guy. And now I hear, now I hear that DeSantis is like taking on immigration and tech issues. I oh guess yeah, he has of,
0: proposed some like uh, legislation that would oppose uh, to tech companies that would like, guarantee free speech. It's I mean it is radical in a positive direction if true, but like it's <clears> na- it's natural to be skeptical because of what happened. Yeah. what has happened before with Trump.
1: Oh, I'm 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 skeptical. <laughs> I'm skeptical currently skeptical of, of virtually all Republican policies. I can't I can't yeah, think even
0: of, uh, Tucker I Carlson. Like I think overall he's a force for yeah. good, but he devotes most of his energy is like criticizing hypocrisy of liberal elites and Wall Capital. Mm-hmm. But even he doesn't come out like for right. for strong policy. Which which he most of his energy is just criticizing uh, liberals.
1: Yeah, he's not worth. Yeah. I, He's definitely not where where I'm at. Like I'll, I'll watch his shows, and a lot of the stuff you know I've been I've been you know posting some of his clips. A lot of the stuff he'll say you know I completely agree with. Like when he talks about the crime wave that's, oh, yeah, th- that's and his happening. Oh uh,
0: yeah, his book, yeah, uh, his book, Ship of Fools. Yeah. I listened to it on audio tape. It's pre- most of it's a lot of it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, but a lot, it's at the I mean, same time, what, what, it's good. You,
0: but it's mostly it's more, but it's right. more criticism rather than offering. Uh, Solutions. Yeah,
1: policy solutions. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, I mean th- that is the that is the rub right there. I mean th- that is that is I mean you nailed it with me in that like I'm not going to be tricked into like okay Joe Biden is going in there he's doing all these awful things so I'm going to have a backlash and I'm going to backlash myself back into um, turning the Repo- now there's there's only one now I'll, I'll have a caveat there there's only one possible thing that could convince me. Um, to support the republicans in the 22, 20, 22 midterms. And that's this um, world war on domestic extremism crap that they're talking about. Oh Where yeah, like about, uh,
0: after the Capitol Hill uh, riots like they Yeah, we're well, talking like a really this about is, like, I think this like ahead. civil liberties crackdown like what they're proposing with the DHS yeah. goes way further than anything that even Bush did and after 9/11.
1: <laughs> right, right. I, I, I keep wondering. I, I keep looking. I mean, I've watched you know Merrick Garland's hearing, and I'm like, like, is this guy gonna like conjure up some reason to like have the FBI or DHS arrest? So like that is like I, I wrote about this, this yesterday and this morning. That is the number one thing that has. I mean, I've become extremely hostile towards the Biden administration. And, and, and I was I was going in that direction before, you know, the whole collapse on the border, which was completely obvious. You got the biggest border crisis in 20 years. But the thing that set me off was the civil liberties thing where, like, you know, they're, they're talking about, okay, if, if, if you have populist politics, we're going to put you on the FBI's no-fly list. Or we're going to have the FBI harass you and surveil you and, I mean –
0: it goes way further than anything happened during the Patriot Act era, even though that kinda of got things started. Like they're treating their own citizens as as the way they would right. a foreign terrorist just because of their their views and like caress talking about like questioning them at the airport just because of their their uh political views. But what's so bizarre is like the whole all the rhetoric last year was like against the police and then there's like talk of like a really kind Fine. of uh like a soft on crime agenda, but now they just switched to become like completely cracking down on civil liberties. So it's kind of, it's bizarre because we're actually seeing kind of the both happening. Cause like we are having these crime waves yeah, in major cities, Antarctica but it's like term. the worst. It's the worst of both worlds and the civil, you're right. The civil liberties issue that I'd say like, that is probably the worst thing about the most dangerous thing about the Biden admin.
1: Yeah. Even, I mean, I mean, if, if you had, to, there goes my rooster, if you, if you had to, I mean, what are the two worst things? Okay, if you had to weigh it, would it be open borders, or would it be like, okay, open borders is bad from the is bad for the country, right? But like the civil liberties issues thing is like something that could affect me personally. If if they try to do some kind of you know who knows who who knows what kind of bullshit. Um, we've already seen that Ricky Vaughn was arrested for just for um, a meme. Post- posting memes in the tw- and, and that, that no to be fair that was in the works like when Trump was when Trump was president
0: but with civil liberties is uh the GOP so but Tom Cotton like he's a pretty terrible record on civil liberties yeah. like he proposed uh, a bill that would give the state more power to regu- to like uh, surveil the internet so a lot of them yeah. are pretty awful too but it'll be interesting to see like how the GOP responds to this
1: yeah but i mean it, it definitely seems like people who any any kind of person who's pro-white is being targeted
0: that has been a case a long time but uh yeah. it's impacting it's really just, it's really
1: amping up it's really it, yeah it's now.
0: amping up but it's also impacting uh like uh rank and like rank and file republicans because uh yeah like the group that was affiliated with uh with the capitol hill uh incident it was most seemed to be kind of like
1: uh Patriot i types. guess the
0: alt like the alt light or the more kind of manga mm-hmm. type like a different a different right. demographic than charlottesville
1: Oh, definitely. We weren't even the only group that you could even call like you know alt rightists that was there was you know the Groipers. It was the the people who are being hit with conspiracy charges are the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. The Oath Keepers who were you know famous for attacking us as racists and stuff and wanted nothing to do with us because of civic nationalism and and all this and all this other stuff. But yeah, I mean this 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 is not just a threat to our civil liberties. It's like a they're, they're defining, I mean, the, the the word racist and white supremacist has been expanded to the point where, you know, something like 60% of the country thinks that Trump is a white supremacist because they've said it so often.
0: What are your thoughts on the role of Trump uh, post-presidency, uh, taking into account he is still the most popular Republican <laughs> figure? And do you think MAGA Inc. could just become another conservative Inc.? And then there's also, like, I think QAnon uh, kind of reminds me a bit of, like, the Tea Party-era birtherism, but I actually think that's probably... Like, their degree of influence is probably grossly exaggerated by the media. You have, like, Marjorie Taylor Greene. But overall, like, what are your thoughts on, like, the role of Trump in post-presidency and taking into account that he was deplatformed from Twitter? How effective will he be? How influential? And do you think MAGA Inc. could just be another conservative Inc.?
1: Yeah, Trump had, like, a a greater positive effect by losing the election than than he did by winning. Oh, yeah, because I do
0: remember, like, he would say... A lot of interesting things as a private citizen, but then, right. but then once he got elected, it's kind of like, yeah, it's. it's he was pretty lame once he got elected, but I think right. he did say interesting things as a private citizen, and even then, like I remember, he was talking about like running, like running for president for the Reform Party, and he was like much more, he was more to the left of on economics back then.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, after. After four years of Trump is not something I'd ever want to revisit. Revisit again. Now, since since he's lost, since he's lost, um, there was a lot of talk that he was going to be endorsing all of these really based um, MAGA congressional candidates, which I, I've seen no evidence of, of of that being the case. Then he's also he's come out and he's issued a a couple statements which I've posted, like attacking Georgia and the ML attacking the MLB calling for a baseball boycott um, boycott corporations okay that's that's good I'll, I'll the way I look at it is if Trump is saying something that I would support then of course <laughs> I, I agree with it and but he mainly just seems to be like um, you know this mainly just the same the same the same old the same old guy what, what happened the other day that oh yeah um, He came out and attacked Biden's infrastructure plan, right? God forbid.
0: Out of the things to criticize Biden for, uh, that's probably the most idiotic. So, like, looking over, like, the election of Biden and Mm -hmm. uh, looking over, like, his uh, strengths and weaknesses. So, uh, so far, uh, you mentioned, like, immigration is one of them, uh, wokeness, cancel culture, and, like, the attack on civil liberties and the growing, like, crime wave. Initially, some kind of crazy, like woke uh, executive orders, but I think yeah. uh, I think it's actually Biden's strengths are probably the economy and COVID, and a lot of that oh, is definitely. luck because the vaccine rollout happened like perfect timing when he got inaugurated. But I'd say mm-hmm. like despite the anti-lockdowns, uh, yeah, COVID seems to be one of Biden's like biggest uh, strengths, and uh, yeah, his economic uh, his economic policies uh, could be. It's really hard to say how that works out.
1: Yeah, I kind of think that, I kind of think we might have seen like um, the most we're going to see out of Joe Biden. In that, like, okay, he came in, he issued the flurry of executive orders, the immigration stuff, which caused the border crisis, and then like he used budget reconciliation to pass the big COVID re- relief bill. That's going to include the child tax credit, which is going to start going out this summer. Um. And okay, and but what else? What else can they possibly do with the Senate the way it is? So
0: there's probably going to be like a lot of gridlock, even with right. like the the narrow uh, the narrow margin. But depends. Like so I think if Biden is successful and does uh-huh. some positive things on economics, like it could just yeah. be perhaps that could happen. But that would also consolidate power for the establishment. But I think mm-hmm. if things work out pretty poorly under Biden, that would just empower. That would empower the opposition, like, next round.
1: The scenario that the scenario that I'm interested in, okay, COVID, for example, is, uh, the, the vaccine's going out. I think even in my county, we've got, like, 30% of people vaccinated. Other people have had the, the virus. COVID is on the way out as, as the issue. It's, you know, it's the summer's going to warm up. More people are going to get vaccinated. That's going to be behind us. So, it seems
0: to be like uh, they were expecting – economic fallout of covid uh there's a lot of there obviously is a lot of hardship but it's not as bad as initially predicted
1: yeah so and so 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 biden has you know shot his thing on the shot his arrow on the economy with the the big uh the american rescue plan that includes the tax credit and covid 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 is going to covid is going to fade and these other issues are going to come to one thing i'm very interested in is what is crime season going to be like this summer? Because we know that uh, from past experience that, you know, first of all, spring is illegal immigration season and summer is crime season. So uh, that's what I'm, that's one of the things I'm looking at as for the GOP, like on economics, they're completely lost and out and out to lunch. I mean, they should change. I mean, it would be in there. In-
0: there are legitimate criticisms of, uh, of, uh, Biden's economic policies, like with the COVID, obviously we're very critical of Trump's handling too. But it seems to be a lot of it is just like what percentage actually to uh, direct cash payouts. Like I would support giving all citizens during the pandemic they should have gotten two thousand a month, but most of right. it is going to uh, business or to state yeah. bureaucracies.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's like like the um health, the health healthcare thing it was in the um in the American Rescue Plan is going to benefit. Um, mainly uh, health insurance companies. And the stimulus checks, okay, a one-time $1,400 stimulus check is great, but the, uh, one of the big flaws of that is that they lowered the eligibility this time, right? So a lot of people who were eligible for eligible for stimulus checks when Trump was president didn't get it. Because it's based part-
0: on uh, past tax returns, not taking into account right. COVID.
1: They lowered, they lowered, Manchin and cinema had the eligibility of the stimulus check lowered I think to like 75 so people so it was it was a hundred thousand they lowered it to 75,000 so all those people in that income bracket like didn't get one or it was reduced so they're going to be pissed off about that that's one thing to 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 all look at about, about Biden's economic policies um the the infrastructure plan is turning out to be incredibly divisive in that people are people support infrastructure but they're looking at this thing and they're like is this an infrastructure? <laughs> is
0: this a- I don't want to sound like a true con, but I think there are legitimate concerns about yeah. inflation. But Trump did—he uh, didn't really deliver on any promise yeah, I mean, on infrastructure—and is funded funded by raising taxes on the ultra wealthy and corporations, which is reasonable right. enough. But do you think that it could be used like for some kind of like woke racial equity agenda? Uh, you have a like, kind of an overall assessment on the infrastructure proposal.
1: There's all kinds of things I've, I've 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 read about that in that like, um, Pete Buttigieg was talking about how like,
0: oh the gas tax,
1: it, yeah, not, not just the gas tax, but but it was it was it was something about uh, racial equity and and transportation, and like and like how, and and, and, and not not just that, but they're 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 just, they're sticking this this is not just an infrastructure bill, it's also like. Health and racial equity and climate and all these other things st- stuck together. The, I mean, when people think of infrastructure, they think okay, rebuilding roads, bridges, airports, ports, but uh, or, or so a lot of the stuff. I'm not. I mean, my my take on the infrastructure bill is mixed. or nothing, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, like investing <laughs> in infrastructure, like building new, uh, rebuilding roads, bridges, uh, mass transit is yeah. good, but I could see some kind of thing. Where it's used to create a lot of permanent, like kind of bureaucratic right. jobs that are like racial set asides.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my main concern about the, the infrastructure bill is that okay, it's a it's a it's a lot of spending, and, and they're going, but but like they're not okay.
0: It is. It sounds kind of like conservative talking points, but I think the concerns about inflation are legitimate.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do I do think that because because what they want to do, what the Democrats want to do, the Democrats have always been in favor of spending. But because the Republicans have you got to think ten years ago the Republican Party was in the Tea Party era right And so because the old Republican Party kind of kept them hemmed in on spending now Democrats have always been in favor of spending what they're not in favor of and what they've become even less in favor of is taxing their wealthy constituents right So they got all these new Trucon voters so instead of raising taxes on households that are worth over 250,000, they only want to raise taxes on, households that are worth over 400000 Yeah, Biden's or... uh,
0: economic agenda, like from a left-wing standpoint, uh, it's pretty uh, pretty much like standard, like neo- you said neoliberal Joe retreats on economic promises and yeah. overall history of like screwing over millennials on student debt. So from basically like what the Bernie wing wanted, like they didn't get, right. they were kind of guilt-tripped that they had to vote for Biden to stop fascism. And a lot of it was really like really ugly how they were treated. But uh, there's no student debt relief, no wealth tax, no public o- public option, uh, mm-hmm. no like minimum wage. Uh, like, what is your no, overall not, assessment not, of uh, Biden's no, economic agenda?
1: I mean, I mean, he, he okay. I, I I was I've been watching Jimmy Dore and Jimmy Dore is great. He's oh yeah, one of my favorites. And like and like and like it's okay. No two thousand dollars, and you you drop the eligibility of it. That's one of his complaints. Okay, uh, no public option health care. Uh, student loan debt relief is off the table. And then the biggest thing that the progressives are so mad or the, that wing of the party is so mad about, is the $15 minimum wage. That was the big structural change and promise that was promised. And that's been taken off the table. Okay, and then look, if you look at the infrastructure plan, it's like, yeah, you want to spend $2 trillion, but okay, raising taxes on the real, the, you want to change, when you talk about raising taxes on the wealthy, you don't mean $250,000 household. Or he's not, mean,
0: like, Biden's not going to end the carried interest uh, loophole Or the SALT deductions. Or
1: the SALT, and you see Democrats are already arguing over whether to, uh, re- re- you know, repeal the SALT uh, deduction. I think Trump, yeah, yeah, what
0: Trump did, he was mixed because he, he promised to repeal carried interest deduction. He failed to, he failed to implement, but I don't even think he was, even pursued oh, that. But he did, he, Trump did uh, end the SALT deduction, which was good.
1: Right and yeah, the the wealth yeah the the wealth tax has been taken off the table, and raising the ca- and here's the big thing raising the capital gains tax has been taken off the table too. So they just so it's like it's like they're sitting here and they say, okay, we want to spend like four hundred four trillion dollars, maybe even more. See, this is they don't want to just have this next infrastructure bill. They want to they want a, a an adi- additional infrastructure bill that's going to deal with like education and health after it. So they want to spend something like. Six. I mean, I'm not like like I said, I'm not a true con or anything. But they want to spend six trillion, something like six trillion dollars. But they don't want to like raise taxes on Wall Street. Obviously, they don't want to raise taxes on their new wealthy constituents, or on Wall Street in particular, because Wall Street is is for the Democrats. They're not going to regulate. Or, and look at regulation. Are are they going to regulate corporations? Are they are they, t- are they going to regulate Wall Street? No. Now the Republicans. To be completely fair, the Republicans aren't going to do it either. But neither the Democrats or Wall Street is more aligned with the Democrats than ever. And also, the Chamber of Commerce is now, I guess, is not. Oh yeah, for
0: Chamber. sure. Yeah, it does seem like the like the burning progressive wing they got scammed hard, and right. a lot of that energy kind of like the same parallels the problems with Trump's with like Trump's populism, where it kind of got absorbed into woke liberalism. And AOC, yeah. uh, she's not even, like, she's not even, she's very tepid about, like, uh, challenging this, but she'll just rant about, like, white supremacy and Yeah, and she's that. a
1: performance artist. Yeah, she's, she's
0: a, performance a performance artist, artist. and now the Democrats, they seem to be either, like, rad, rad libs or just kind of establishment. And then you yeah. have, like, liberals uh, outraged about, like, uh, the dirtbag left, so that would include Jimmy Dore kind of flirting with the populist right. I mean, that group is yeah. definitely... Uh, that group's definitely an ally. I support what they're doing. But what are your overall like thoughts on the direction of the left? And do you expect to see any like any serious challenge from the from the populist left to Biden's agenda uh, now, um, or in or at the midterm election with like primary challenges?
1: No, I don't, because it's worse than before, right? I mean, I mean, we talked about how the Republicans have changed, but the correspondingly. The Democrat, its the Democrats who are changing in a more, a more negative direction, in that like, if you look—if you look—if you go back to 2000, if you like, like I posted something last night about this. If you go back to 2006 or 2008, the Democrats were very competitive in white working-class districts. Right now, like, the Democrat Democrat brand is like so trashed that like, it's, it's, it's beyond redemption there. And you're also seeing working-class Hispanics. Migrating towards the Republicans too. Now that's a, that's a, that's a new trend. Um, but but who who are, the, who are the Democrats now? And you see the, the vote, Who are the voters who voted for Joe Biden? Right. I mean you. I mean you saw it. I mean you. Look, you look at all the maps. It's all these. It's all these wealthy Republican areas. All these the the, the, the worst Republicans. Right. They're they're they they're, they're attracting the true cons. The, like the
0: Lincoln like all, the Lincoln Project.
1: The Lincoln Project. Bill Kristol's a Democrat now. They, they call themselves the Red Dogs. That's that's who they are, right? So, like, the Democrat Party is absorbing. Who, who are they absorbing? They're absorbing the Chamber of Commerce. They're absorbing Wall Street. They're absorbing neocons. Um, and and demographically, the Democrats, uh, it's be- it's becoming like, it's becoming a pro-business, social reform party. Like I said, it's it's becoming what the old Republican Party used to be. Like like back in the um. Early 20th century, is or, or the Whig Party. That's that's what it, that's what it looks like, and like it, it's because there's so many more. The, because the Democrat base is so many of more of these wealthy, college-educated, upper-middle-class whites who are motivated by culture war issues. Um, the, the, the 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 real, and also because the working-class voters are leaving the Democrats, that's shrinking the power of the of the Sanders people, and that's how that's why Joe Biden won, right? And he didn't help himself when he had tried to appeal to, um, but Sanders didn't. Yeah, help it will himself.
0: be interesting to see what happens with them because I don't think, I think maybe a segment could be brought into a new populist GOP. Yeah. Or I could see them going to like a third party, like uh, maybe the Green Party, or there's talk of like a, I forget what they're yeah. calling it, like the People's Party or Justice Party. I think that group the is going to be. Labor party. Yeah, like a labor party. Like I see that group being like totally, totally alienated. And marginalized by the by the Democrats, and uh, yeah, AOC like AOC was sort of aligned with them, but she's basically a total joke. So yeah, yeah like, she's with,
1: never passed one single. Th- no, not at like, all. She's you, just a, like
0: she's like a social media celebrity. Like I, I, I right, have been, uh, I have zero uh, respect zero respect for her. So yeah, we went over kind of like the like the civil liberty issue issues uh, in light of a uh, mm-hmm. Capitol Hill riots. But I think even if the insurrection didn't happen. Uh, these uh, trends were sort of going in this, they've been kind of going in this direction with like the civil liberties uh, crackdown. And then looking over Biden's uh, foreign policy, like I don't see him like starting like a major war. I just see a kind yeah. of continuation of like Obama era foreign policy where we'll do it's a sort of like a bunch of like small scale like strikes on Syria and then kind of American imperialism based on soft power but fused with yeah. like wokeness. And, uh, like using the State Department to spread woke ideology overseas so kind of like soft like soft power liberal interventionism and you ha- yeah you, ha- you had like the Russian uh, Secretary of Defense or state by oh, yeah. like, calling out like uh, anti-white it's Russian all,
1: yeah they I mean it's, 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 it's not just it's, it's the Russians and the Chinese have both said to Joe Biden's – to blink to blink at Tony blinken's face they've both said because um, you know Joe Biden came out and called Putin the killer. <laughs> And, and, and the Chinese and the Russians have both, you know, since the Biden administration point blank that you're weak. And the reason it is is because of all this anti-white um, political correctness and, and, and stuff like that, like that, may, that makes the United States weak. That's their official take. The, the Russians will say it's because of, of the Russians will say it's because of um, attacks on whites. And the Chinese will say it's because of you know Black Lives Matter, but they're both you know exploiting, exploiting these divisions. Now, I, I, in an ideal world, an ideal scenario, you would have people like, um, you would get rid of the true cons and the and the and the neocons and people like that, and like cycle them over to the, the Chamber of Commerce. And so, you would ideal world those people would go to the Democrats.
0: A lot of them are, but there's still a component within the yeah, GOP. right.
1: Yeah, in an ideal world, you would you would kick those people out, and you would bring the people who are in favor of civil liberties and economic populism in.
0: Yeah, like the kind of group uh, on the left that is—they're uh, not crazy about woke culture. Uh, right. Like Glenn, maybe Glenn, someone like Glenn Greenwald, whether yeah. economically populist, concerned about like civil liberties. Uh, how big of a right. group are they, and do you think it's feasible to bring them in?
1: Uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of people who like who consider themselves. Bill Maher being another one, I think it's kind of funny. Yeah Bill, consider, yeah, Bill
0: Maher is, what's weird is he was like one of yeah. the most, he used to be one of the most like popular kind of uh, like normie liberal figures and yeah. now he's like speaking out against cancel culture.
1: Yeah, I mean, because comedy, I mean, I mean, you can see it, Bill, Bill Maher is one of the only people who, who are left standing who are like that. Um, co- comedy now is, is, you know, people like Stephen yeah. Colbert. Like
0: I used to enjoy comedy, oh, like there's oh, everything, like most right. of the new comedy movies are complete garbage.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's complete garbage. It's it's people like Steve, Jimmy O'Fallon or, or Stephen Colbert or or who's that guy? Yeah, especially that guy John Oliver.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah.
1: That's the kind of guy that or, that's I, or
0: Trevor guy. Noah.
1: <laughs> yeah, or Trevor Noah. Those are the type of people that you know who who do politically correct uh, comedy and who like the, the, the these I guess like you would say the governing wing of the Democrat Party who the same people the same people who watch that crap or the people who watch um, Rachel Maddow or, or Don Lemon, right? That's that's the same audience. But yeah, ideally, ideally, like you would, I mean, in an ideal world, you would get rid, the Republicans would get rid of the Chamber of Commerce, get rid of Wall Street, get rid of neocons, um, get rid of um, true cons and people like that. And then you would bring over, all the economic populists who are pro labor and who are against stupid wars and and you know people like um who am I thinking of here who was who was loudly against the wars
0: Tulsi I, I ended up voting for for Tulsi I think Yang uh, I like a lot of things about Yang but he wants to work more with the right. Democrats because he's running for mayor and he's gone along with yeah. a lot of he's actually gone along with the woke stuff like I think he posted he wants to remove like the the New York flag, like the Dutch colonial influence from New York. Yeah, Yang wants to go with the Democrats and he yeah, was on I mean, like, CNN. People, so not Yang, but want, I think Tulsi, like I could see Tulsi uh, joining like a new re- revitalized GOP.
1: Right. I mean I mean basically if you look if you look back if you look back through American history and you look at people like especially William Jennings Bryan, a guy who was against imperialism, a guy who was for economic populism, and a guy who's for cultural and social conservatism. That's the ideal right and that's that's what we in an ideal world we want or or going back to like jacksonians so so we want economic populists civil libertarians anti-imperialists social conservatives and i guess uh nationalists that's who that's an ideal world that's that's that would be that that would be a coalition and the
0: thing another thing to emphasize is like these uh positions that we generally support is they're not they're actually supported by masses of normies. Like you pull the average person across the board like that. Those are generally, a lot of these are kind of populist positions. So like defining like a, what is like, what's defined as like what's extreme or fringe. Like last time we talked about like how Ben Shapiro is like far right. And they're kind of like populist centrism is actually that that's where many of the masses of normies are.
1: Yeah. We're, I'm a, a white moderate, right? My views are in the middle on foreign policy, on economics, and also on social issues. Most people on social issues, well, I mean, when you, we should do some clarification there. When you're talking about social issues, we're talking about, like, cosmopolitanism, political correctness. That's what people don't like, right? People have different views on issues like abortion or religion. But they don't like, you know, a lot of these people, like, don't like, you know, people who hate themselves who hate themselves for being white
0: like the blm and uh, woke yeah. cancel culture it obviously has like institutional power but how much of a backlash do you think there re- really is against cancel culture and do you have like polling oh. on opinions the opinion of uh, blm and like the and like a polling opinion on uh, woke cancel culture and yeah. how much of a We've backlash do you see
1: we i mean i mean one thing you got to remember is that people will lie and when it comes to political correctness and council culture, people will lie to pollsters because, especially educated professional people, are kind of like underground. This is why. This is or especially women too. This is why, like, you know, Trump was supposed to be destroyed with women in the twenty twenty election, but they were, but they were lying to, they were lying about their true beliefs to um, the pollsters. So that kind of underestimates things. Yeah,
0: I think there's a so huge that, demographic of people uh, who dislike this, but they're still they don't want to challenge like what's considered respectable, but it is like the cliche kind of cliche of like a silent, silent majority. So when it comes to like strong support for, for wokeness, like what is the core demographic and like how significant is it actually as opposed oh, to institutional power?
1: The core demographic, the core demographic for, for wokeness is definitely people who are extremely, extremely educated postgrads are people who've, or college graduates, post-grads, um, overlaps with, you know, millennials.
0: With demographics, like if they are people of color, they're like uh, like college-educated women of color right. who maybe like who are in HR, but not like the masses of working class POC. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hispanics, Hispanics do not like and do not understand political correctness at all like that's that's what's, one of the clear things that comes across the, in the poll data the blacks are a lot more supportive of political correctness because because they're put up on a pedestal than Hispanics are um, yeah the core the core demographics for political correctness wokeness i mean if if, if you want to if you wanted to just you know the archetype of the people we're talking about is um, younger white women who are College graduates who are single, who have postgraduate degrees, who live in a in a big in a big city—that'd be the, the core demographic. And working class people don't like it. It's, it's educated people who like. That's that's the main force that's realigning.
0: It does seem like the Democrat Democratic Party? It's a coalition of college educated whites and and blacks, and then we could see maybe working class whites and working class Latinos in a new GOP. If this if this uh, realignment does happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like like I said like if you look at the polls something like 2 thirds of the public is against uh, political correctness and council culture. Now the the num- the true number is probably higher than that because we know a lot of people who are against that are lying. Right. So so the so the fact that the GOP has is, is seized on this issue um is good for is is, is, is something that's going to work out well for them because we know we we know from polling data there's no social issue that has greater there's a greater traction and has more resentment than this, right? Far more people dislike political correctness and wokeness and cancel culture than care about abortion or um gay marriage or or, or all this other stuff, right? Um yeah, Black Lives Matter has cratered in popularity because it's done the least it's, especially amongst blacks because um the whole defund the police thing has created a crime wave in the urban cities, so like the big cities so now, now that there's all this crime going on and people are starting to blame BLM for it, um, public support is. You also saw that, like most people don't believe that George Floyd was murdered. Now, that's a huge change. Well,
0: I think with the trial, I think uh, I think Chauvin, uh, Derek Chauvin, will probably like yeah. it does seem like he could very well be convic- convicted. And just ball. because it's so uh, politicized, but it will be uh, interesting to see how this goes. The outcome of the trial
1: yeah if, if 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 chauvin is uh let go i mean you know there's gonna be riots definitely
0: clearly was brutality but the thing is they're charging yeah. him it would be different if it was just man manslaughter they're actually charging him with second degree murder
1: his his defense i think is that okay this this guy was in extremely poor health and was um i haven't really the only thing I saw was the banana dance video which came out which um showed that you know Floyd was dancing around with a banana and was high on meth and um, fentanyl before he was arrested um you know it's it, 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 the whole thing looks to me like okay it's it was kind of brutal like you know he put him down on his neck like that but he was also on drugs and in bad health and I don't think it had anything to do with racism I just think that um I just I just think he was being disorderly
0: yeah, looking at the video, it was clearly, like, police m- misconduct. It was clearly, right. like, pretty pretty brutal. I'm not, like, defending yeah. Chauvin, but I don't think it, should, it shouldn't be. It sh- it's uh, But it's not a murder case. It shouldn't be a murder case. There's nuance.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it was a murder case, and I don't think it was racially motivated. I just think it was – I just think people kind of projected those frames onto what happened. Um, I mean, if, if there hadn't been – I mean, obviously, you know, people would feel that strongly about it if there hadn't been um, – in a world where there hadn't been all the riots, and I mean, okay, I mean, how many how many of our monuments were destroyed because of this? We lost the Mississippi state flag because of this, um, because of these laws. Uh, so it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me to like, you know, overcome my own bias on this.
0: I think there are, there is a legitimate discussion to have about police brutality, but the other side, if yeah. they support this, uh, they have no uh, moral credibility because right. uh, they're proposing one of the worst civil liberties abuses.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you, know, you know what the media does? I mean, they, um, see, when, when, when what happened with Floyd is that people automatically assumed the media was lying because the media lies about everything, and the media was lying, right? The full story, the facts, in, in these kinds of situations, the facts, you know, didn't come to light for a while. We didn't see all these videos until a few days ago. Um, but, but, you know, the media, you know, immediately jumps on things and uses it as fodder to, promote their narrative like you're doing with this, you know, the hate crimes against Asians, which are <laughs> caused by. Yeah. It's part of, white uh,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's part of that is it. I mean, that is a huge problem, but it's kind of tied with the greater like urban crime wave. Like they're yeah. trying to link it with, uh, with Trump and white supremacy. So like looking at into like the ne- upcoming elections, uh, like what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the, on the midterms, uh, how vulnerable Democrats will be on the midterms. Uh, thoughts on if there's any serious populist candidates, like thoughts for on JD Vance for Ohio Senate, and then like what are your thoughts on the 2024 election, the GOP candidates, and uh, do you think it's going to be? Do you think Biden's going to run for a second term? And then like what are your thoughts on Kamala and the role, the role she's going to play? Like, she really does epitomize like the Woke neoliberalism in like the most extreme form. More so, far more so than Biden does. Biden's actually much more uh, moderate.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, right off the bat, is a lot of unknowns there. Um, Okay, so a lot of unknowns there. Number one, one of the things I'm looking at is, um, from just from my own standpoint, the, the question that I want answered more than any other is. How how is you know civil liberties going to play out with the Biden administration over the next two years? If they start like, you know putting rounding up all white nationalists and putting people or people who are far right or whatever you would want to call them on no fly lists and having you know FBI raids and harassment like that, um, then I'm definitely going to come out. That that would definitely like pardon and. You know, I, I would think that that would be the issue if, if I was going to like support the Republicans, that would be the issue that would do it. So that's one of the things I'm really looking for. Um, as for J.D. Vance, um, my thoughts on that guy was that you know, I thought I understood J.D. Vance for years to be just like a no a normal bootstraps conservative type, right? He was on, he used to be interviewed by Rod Dreher on the American Conservatives. All the time, and J. Like I said in my article, like J.D. Vance has has been reprogrammed into like a uh, a nationalist and a populist uh, candidate now. But all the politicians are being reprogrammed um, for the same reasons because the electorate has changed underneath them. And also, another thing is
0: like a lot of uh, a lot of True Con GOP senators are retiring.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust JD Vance. I'm, I'm not endorsing JD Vance. But one of the things that, if if I understand correctly, um, in that race, it's uh, some woman who I've never heard of, and it's this Jewish guy Josh Mandel, who's a goofball and it ran before and lost, if I'm not mistaken, in Ohio. I think. I think last time. I think. Well, in actually, in 2018, is I think when he ran and lost. Or is JD Vance? So I mean, I mean, could you, or, or is it either that or a Democrat? Uh, I would have to, you know, I would have to see who's honestly, <laughs> who's the competition, who's running yeah, race. I'm think, not really uh, thrilled about it. I'm not the, thrilled about JD Vance.
0: Yeah, it's hard to make these predictions. I think uh, Biden. So Biden got a boost in approval rating. I think his approval rating right now, he's at right. f- about forty six percent. And uh, the economic, like the modest economic recovery. And the COVID, right. it gave him a, like a modest boost. And there's always like the honeymoon uh, period yeah. with like the the, can, the new president's political party. But uh, mm-hmm. with the trends we discussed earlier, I think the Democrats could be very well be vulnerable in the midterms. And it'll be interesting yeah. to see uh, how Republicans, what kind of candidates uh, they run. And then like with the TrueCon, well, a lot of these different kind of – yeah, there are these, all these TruCon like senators. I'm not sure if like Ron Johnson – uh, he's the one like the hill likes to really, kind of like point out. But I think a lot of them, crystal and sagar are showing the hill. But a lot of them are retiring, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. uh, who runs. And then uh, before I wrap up the show, do you have any any further thoughts on future political trends, and also uh, any any further thoughts on the twenty twenty four election? And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, yeah, I think also like your thoughts on the role of Kamala.
1: I don't, I don't i don't i don't predict that joe will run and i think his health will get worse over the next four years
0: the thing about him being senile i think that's been kind of yeah, over overdone. overblown but he is very old and low yeah. energy
1: yeah yeah very and you also you saw him fall and also you know he hasn't given the state of the union address i mean you gotta that's a big question mark what why isn't
0: like lots of uh, mostly like short speech is with like yeah. teleprompts, Probably he's not.
1: I mean, I mean, in terms of his health, he's he's going to be worse four years from now than he is. I don't think. I don't think he'll run. Yeah, no. Kamala,
0: think... she's the favorite of the establishment, yeah. but she's not. Like she, she did terribly yeah. the last election. She's not very popular at all,
1: yeah.
0: even with Democrats. I also think
1: I also think that you know the the reason you know the major reason that Joe was elected president was because of COVID. And if it had not been for COVID, I think Trump would have won. But COVID is like rapidly fading now, so I think like, and not just that, but like Trump, uh, Biden has used budget reconciliation to pass the uh, American Rescue Plan.
0: And also, with and the so economy, people, so, I think there's like a short. I think the stimulus and the and the kind of loose, like the stimulus and loosening of lockdowns, has led to uh, short-term. Economic recovery, but a lot of yeah. – but overall, like, econ, the economic situation could be bad, like, a year or two
1: from now. Economics – yeah, econ, like, economics is a question – if the economic situation is good, for a, a, good a, a year out from now, uh, year, year and a half out from now, it would be great. That is that is something that, like, I can't really, you know, anticipate what it will be. I, I mean, I think people will be very happy about the uh, child tax credit. I know that. Crime I, – I anticipate that crime is going to be terrible – this summer, yeah, yeah, but I mean, we know we know for a fact two, issue, three issues that that work to the to the strength of the Republicans, are crime, immigration, and also I mean we're start, we're starting to see like as you know, people are starting to talk about two trillion here, two trillion there, two trillion there. I mean, all these all these suburbanites who voted for Joe really voted to get rid of Trump, right? And like they're not they're not a fan of of um, Trump is gone now.
0: The last polling was Biden's approval rating is at 46, which is generally uh, I'm not. I think I'm. I forget what Trump's was when he was first elected, but uh, that's generally uh, typical of like a new, new president. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So as now, for, I mean, 46 percent is not bad, but but it's hard to say what it will be yeah. a year from now.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I see. I see three things. I see. Um, Immigration being number one, um, number two being um, crime, number three being suburbanites. Who and you gotta remember, and this is an important thing. Trump's not gonna be on the ballot in 2022, and those same people who voted against Trump and for Biden, they voted you know down ballot for congressional Republicans. So if this is just a straight up a straight up vote on congressional Republicans and the Republicans are going to try to make it about, okay, your message is going to be to the suburbanites who they lost with Trump is that Trump's not on the ballot, and Joe Biden has spent $6 trillion, right? Or $4 trillion, $6 trillion, and they, to, they, they, they hope to piss people off about that and get them back. It could happen. I don't know. Do the red dogs, suburbanites, come back because of of spending? You know they don't like that.
0: Do you have thoughts on the election? Like, do you, do you expect it to be like DeSantis versus Kamala?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think someone could get elected in 2022 that we hadn't seen yet. It might become like a new Republican star. It might j- leapfrog to the White House. We've seen it happen before. We saw it happen with Obama, right? Obama got elected to the Senate and Obama became a rock star. And then like two or three years later, he was president. So, um, weird things can happen. Weird, weird, or look at Trump. No one anticipated that Donald Trump, of all people, who wasn't even a politician. Also, uh, yeah, another thing about twenty twenty four is does Trump run a second time? Um, that's the big question because if he runs, he's going to win the nomination. But I don't think uh,
0: I don't think he would win the, I gen- think he will. the general. I don't know. I don't, no, I I don't, don't think, think he will.
1: I don't think he will. So like, um,
0: like what do you expect of his post presidency? Like how significant will he be taking into account like deplatforming? Because he's has after his Twitter ban, he's kept a fairly low profile besides like yeah. the CPAC speech.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- there was a question whether Trump would fade after you know getting deplatformed, and so far he hasn't, right? The, the polling I've seen, uh, he still has his grip over his voters, and he's lost traction with um, the true—not the true cons, but the—he's lost the people he's lost tra- traction with are the you know the basically the Ted Cruz voters that you know. After he wrapped up the nomination, so he's kind of fallen back to his own base. You have
0: like true cons like Dan Crenshaw trying to take up like the MAGA mantle.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, that is, and you know Trump, Trump is you know tr- Trump is terrible. He's the. Have you ever seen anyone in your life who makes worse endorsements and elevates like worse people? <laughs> Whether it was Nikki Haley or Mad Dog Mattis or um, getting rid of Jeff Sessions, or the, yeah, or... the
0: Alabama Senate race too.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he has a track record of, of picking the worst, most terrible people, and who knows? I mean, like, I I have seen no evidence that he's transforming the party in a more populist direction, where if he threw his support and tried, and tried to do that, he could do it, but he doesn't have any interest yeah, in it. Yeah,
0: to kind of summarize this show, uh, yeah. the change in the GOP, it's just sort of... Uh
1: the have, level the voters. If yeah, like if level. it's
0: a bo, kind of bottom up, or like depending. Like right. I don't see, really see. It's hard the to see if like Trump of a kind of top down. Uh, yeah. If that will make a difference, uh, Hunter Wallace. So oh, we're at the end of the show. Is there anything else you'd like to add about any of these topics or, or uh, political trends?
1: Oh, uh, that's that's about it. It was a great show. Uh, we'll have to put that out there.
0: Check out uh, Occidental Descent, Hunter Wallace. Great show. Thanks for being on.
1: Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Bye.